Hello, this is Tom Pasello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast. My guest today is Dr. Brian Lambert. Brian's currently the president and managing consultant for Growth Matters America, a fast-growing sales management consulting and services business, helping sales leaders optimize sales management and sales enablement practices. You may know Brian from his co-founding of the Sales Enablement Society. He also has a very popular Inside Sales Enablement podcast. He's authored four learning and sales books. And uh, definitely, I see him all over the place, dozens of provocative reports and best practice articles. Uh, So today, we're so lucky to have Brian to talk everything inside sales enablement with us. Welcome, Brian. Hey, thanks so much, Tom. I appreciate the opportunity, and I look forward to it. Absolutely. So I didn't get my start in sales or sales enablement. Instead, I started my career as a programmer of all things, and then uh, as a product guy. How did you get your start? Uh, Great question. Uh, I actually, um, when I got my undergrad uh, done, I went into the U.S. Air Force and I was an officer for six years. And uh, when I was transitioning out, um, I had kind of two two paths. One was the program project management path and the other one was in sales. So I, I took the sales job, moved to the D.C. territory and began selling. Um, through that whole process uh, coming out of the military and also just my background um, and understanding how uh, people work, I was really surprised when I got into sales that there weren't uh, standards, there weren't necessarily uh, traditional ways of doing things that were documented. And it, mm-hmm. it seemed like it wasn't really quote unquote professionalized like other, other uh, professions were. And I started scratching my head on that. And Basically, um, the long story short was uh, when I left as a top performer, I um, really wanted to take accountability for working on the sales profession and, mm-hmm. and professionalizing it in order to close the gap to customers that I was seeing as early as you know 2001. So that's what I did. I said, I'm going to go work on it instead of in it and uh, figure out how this is going to work. And that actually led me into you know, sales enablement before it was even called that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, kind of that logistics background, the technical background, I know kind of helps us with that systems process or, or codification uh, kind of a concept. And uh, it's definitely right. needed. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really what sales enablement is a big part of it is all about. So I know that part of your career, um, you were an analyst and I was as well, me at Gartner, you at Forrester, and you were a Forrester sales enablement analyst. And Man, a few years ago, I was sitting in the audience at a Forrester sales enablement event, and up walks Andy Hoare and basically says, about one in five of you guys is going to be out of a job. Um, this is back in 2015, and uh, it, it therefore became known as the death of the B2B sales rep uh, research report that he produced. Uh, quite a protagonist, basically, that one million of uh, sellers particularly very transaction-oriented sellers, we're going to be disintermediated by 2020 as the internet took over and, and so forth. And, you know, lo and behold, we're, we're here at that date. So uh, I know that you're not personally responsible for Andy's report, but definitely wanted to get your perspective on what you think about those dire predictions of the death of the B2B sales rep. And yeah. has it come to fruition? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, I think actually when he did it, I had already left and I, I heard about it immediately and I, I kind of chuckled to myself because 
um, my first knee jerk back at that time was, you know, he, he's probably generalizing all of sales. So when you take, mm -hmm. you know, the entire sales universe and put it out there as quote unquote B2B selling, um, that, that, that overgeneralization can lead to those types of conclusions. And I actually see that uh, today with the, hey, you know, um, what is it? 60% of the buyer uh, journey has already been accomplished before they ever talk to a rep. Mm -hmm. I, I see that that type of that's the equivalent to me of the same type of logic when you um, look at the, the transactional volume just look at transactions there are patterns there obviously um, transactional selling it I don't think he actually couched it as that when he when he talked about it. he just said b2b selling mm -hmm. but in the transactional space um, when you look at you know solutions that don't require a lot of education uh, from from sales teams or companies, and they're not very sophisticated. Yeah, you can buy that over the internet. And um, you know, Scott Santucci and I at Forrester actually spent a lot of time understanding the different types of sales forces that are that are inside of a company. Mm -hmm. And um, if you have a really transactional pattern, um, yeah, buyers are going to be further along in their decision making. And yeah, back in 2015, they're probably going to buy on the internet. Those are those are true statements, but is it going to kill B two B selling? No, and and I think that's the the challenge that I'm still dealing with um, in educating marketers and other you know executives that look at B two B selling as you know, hey, um, you're just really the closer. Um, and I think that it's done more harm than good, especially in the era of digital transformation and platform selling. Um, I think there's an over rotation to. Uh, doing things to sales instead of with them and they're not being listened to sales executives are seeing um, ch you know challenges in in conversations with their buyers and uh, they're not being heard and I think it's because of these these types of reports that that overgeneralize the selling situation in contact yeah and we saw it in companies where companies took the report and basically said okay we're cutting uh, the experienced B2B sellers. Um, we're going to go to a, you know, a more of a direct uh, kind of telesales force. Um, we're going to go to the channel and rely on the channel. So there were a lot of key changes that were made. But I think what's overlooked is I kind of look at the real estate industry and, you know, when uh, and that's how I cut my teeth in my first sales job was a part time real estate agent, even when I was a practicing engineer. And um, at the time we had MLS listings and we owned all the information and we were information brokers. You couldn't really get into a house. You couldn't find information about it. You couldn't find comps. You couldn't find any of the specs on, on any property. Uh, the real estate agent owned all of that information exclusively. Now it's exactly the opposite. And people were predicting with Zillow and Trulio and all these others that you know, real estate agents were gonna be dead. Uh, everyone was gonna sell their house online and mm -hmm. we can see that because it's a complex sale and high end, um, that, that's not true. Now, the nature of a real estate agent has changed substantially. They're no longer information brokers unless it's a pocket listing and there's some exclusive information which they cultivate very well. Mm -hmm. But now they're really there to facilitate and be concierges through the whole selling and buying process. So in the selling side, they now help buyers stage the house they're consultants on what makes a property better value. They know what color you should paint your door so that it brings the maximum value. Um, and on the buying side, they're really there to help gain consensus among the decision makers, the partners that are buying the house, if there's some partners involved. And um, 
and basically a concierge through the whole complex process of getting inspections and, and everything else. And there's now more real estate agents than ever before in the United States, not less. And I think it's very much the same. You know, if B2B sellers are able to pivot, and they are, they have to if they're going to survive, um, they are now different in what they do. And concierges and facilitators of the buyer's journey is kind of where I think they ended up. Yeah, that's a good point. I like the, you know, the B2C example there as a, as a indicator of the, um, the industry shift that's happening. And, you know, if you, if you port that over to like, you know, what comes to mind is the, the media or the, the you know, um, news, news industry, you know, back, mm -hmm. back in the day, you had newspapers being handed out by people on bicycles, throwing it in the front yard bushes. And yeah. now if you look at, you know, 20, 30 years later, you've got it on every device and you can choose um, how you receive that news and newspapers have had to uh, figure out their whole new um, transformational journey. And I think that's, um, that's the challenge that um, positions, you know, presents itself from a, a communicating or, or selling uh, value perspective is the, the solutions themselves and the, the value delivery of companies has radically evolved. And uh, yeah, sure, if they didn't, if they didn't uh, evolve, then salespeople probably could have gone away. But uh, they put the, you know, the executives put the, <laughs> the pedal to the metal and, and uh, use technologies to radically transform their whole entire business model. Yeah, and um, the whole value chain. Yeah, and the whole value the, chain behind yeah. it. And so um, you can't market your way to success there. Somebody's got to connect dots. I agree. Yep. So I, I like the point that you made too, in that you know you can't think of your your even your own sales team or companies in general as being monolithic, um, and I think that's really important within the organization. There's different sellers uh, that you're going to have, and you're going to have to enable and empower uh, different sellers. You're going to have to hire and manage to deliver, and I think thinking of um, the types of solutions and the types of customers that are being engaged with uh, can be proper, not kind of putting them all into one bucket is important because we see that at too many organizations. That's right. So to help uh, keep sellers, you know, relevant and more effective in this new world, there's a lot of sales enablement investments going on and these are accelerating. Uh, over 60% of sales orgs, it's indicated by CSO Insights, now have staff programs that are dedicated to sales enablement. And that's good news because as you said, you know, just a few short years ago when you got into sales enablement, uh, it wasn't really well defined. Uh, and I know that a lot of the initial meetings that we had and uh, the formation of the Sales Enablement Society by, by you and Scott and uh, clever other folks was uh, a lot of the initial work was just in getting what is sales enablement? What do we want in our charter? And just getting it organized. Um, it's good to see that it's finally taken off from an investment standpoint. So I wanted to, to just get your take on what are you seeing in regards to the increasing importance of sales enablement? Yeah. Um, when we first, uh, you know, if you take the history view that you're injecting, which I appreciate Thank you very much for uh, recognizing that. And, and also as a, it was indeed, I, I believe an inflection point in supporting sales teams. Um, and when you look at, uh, the definitional view or, or um, there, there, you know, why, why sales enablement there, there, are, there are multiple uh, lenses on that. We took the approach of, you know, 
why would executives find value in a new function and a new role? Mm -hmm. And the purpose of sales enablement was this idea of, you know, the strategic um, executive that would execute the go-to-market and really drive, you know, productivity um, with, with the, the, the executive team. Um, so uh, the proliferation of roles against that definition, the new, you know, um, thousands of people getting hired. When I look at it, I'm, I'm uh, a bit uh, tempered in, in my excitement because I believe uh, what, what I'm seeing is um, really repurposing existing roles into a sales enablement title uh, with the same remit or even adding new folks that are either technology um, only or their trainer only. And I think those two buckets of uh, training and technology um, might be important and, and are important actually. Um, they're not necessarily the strategic enabler of go to market by themselves. So I think there's a, a bit of a, a challenge that I'm having in um, what I would consider role repurposing um, and the proliferation of titles. And I don't think they're net new as many people are espousing. I don't have the research on that, but where they are net new, I, I see them more as um, individual contributors. And mm -hmm. you know, when you look at sales enablement and its evolution, it's much like any profession to me. You have, you know, the um, individual contributor that gives way to the manager of, you know, five to seven people, and then eventually end up with a strategic function yeah. of perhaps a hundred. And you know, the the role that I just came out of, we had a hundred and twenty person enablement team, and it was run as a you know, a business within a business. Yeah. And um, I just don't see that happening and that evolution isn't happening uh, to me. So I'm a little bit tempered on that. I am excited and I went to the society conference and mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time talking to sales enablement um, practitioners. I just don't know um, how we're going to make this leap up into the strategic role that I think is so sorely needed. It's, it's desperately needed uh, really to simplify the selling ecosystem. Behind yeah, and, and very good point, because I see a lot of it, you know, sometimes it'll have kind of that basis in training, uh, and then it'll be very training focused. And, mm -hmm. you know, it'll be all about a sales readiness platform and the modules that are in there, or then it'll be very kind of content management focused, oh, we got to manage the portal. Yes. Um, or, you know, in some organizations, and I think there's a little bit of a trend this way, it's towards the content, um, and, you mm -hmm. know, having good content for seller, but, it, but it's very tactical. Um, it usually yeah. is centered around one of those as the key driver and the person that's managing that technology or that piece of it is kind of elevated into that role and then are kind of trying to figure out how to maybe elevate into a more strategic position, but they're bogged down with under-resourced, um, you know, not enough people to implement it. Um, they're having to broaden out into areas that they may not be familiar with and it's a constraint. Yeah, I think if you were to take all the sales enablement titles I'd, um, and, and look at the people doing the job, probably 90% of them are in the delivery side. <laughs> so they're either delivering training or they're loading content. They're on the distribution and delivery of you know content or um, skills training. Um, to be strategic, they got to be on the creation side. They, in other words, yep. determining what to create, what to put in, and who should be benefiting from it and really changing the content itself. And I just don't see a lot of that. And, and uh, it, we, we actually, uh, I, I don't know what the number is, but uh, the over proliferation of content is really a problem. Um, yes. It's just, it, it's not a distribution challenge to me. Um, we can put all this stuff in, 
uh, but it's it's a simplification challenge. Yeah, it's a curation challenge, right? It's like mm -hmm. uh, you know, content marketers are paid by the pound on their content. Yeah. <laughs> it's just proliferating out and there. Trainers are paid by their yeah. um, number of people that they train, and, and it's just yeah. It's and just so noise. you know, sales operations practitioners, you know, this isn't a knock on it. It's just you know that we we view this as being a more important role, and being able to evolve into that role and educate and elevate into that role, I think, is so important. So mm -hmm. uh, the opportunity is there and the organization needs you to do that so that's right we're brian and i are both encouraging you know anyone who is managing just that content um you know portal or just the training it's not just you've got a really important role but there is a bigger um part of the organization that you could uh, be driving effectiveness and efficiency into and um and therein lies a great opportunity and i think this gets to forrester's research of you know when when they looked at programs just sales enablement in general you know that, that many more companies have it but they indicate only five percent of organizations they surveyed were considered to be mature sales enablement practices and mm -hmm. most companies they put into you know out of three buckets they put almost all companies in the beginner bucket despite yep. substantial investments so you know why do you think organizations are struggling with this to to drive better sales enablement and, and sales practices? Uh, well, to keep it simple, um, it's why do you have the function in the first place? Um, if, if the function is a um, megaphone for all the other functions, um, it's really hard to get the value out of it. If the function exists to um, streamline the, the value chain behind individual sales conversations across a variety of sales uh, segments, uh, they, they really um, need to be able to arbitrate and, and uh, have governance over uh, things like business process, intake, uh, changing the checklists that people are using on a day-to-day -day basis. And when you, when you look at the, the gap, the chasm between uh, a megaphone approach to sales enablement versus turning off the noise, mm -hmm. um, it's a massive gap. And there's very few leaders um, that are able to simplify the selling system without taking on a bunch of arrows um, because of there's so much inertia and muscle memory um, by, you know, the pay by the pound kind of approach. Um, I've been in these positions. I've worked to simplify and, you know, 95% of my job ended up being internal stakeholder management with some very, um, you know, upset people that they couldn't, be um, on stage at new, in the sales kickoff, that they their asset wouldn't be loaded into the system, that their training that they um, believe is so important that everybody should be having is being, um, you know, you know, told, you know, I was gonna say no. And um, yeah, I told I told people in that role, I said, you guys gotta stop, stop shooting on people. You know, sales mm -hmm. should do this and sales should do that. And if they would just, and Here's my, here's my answer to what they should be doing. And I said, you know, no more shooting on sales. It's a pun on words. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's a play on words, but it's exactly what it feels like. And nobody's asked these guys um, what they actually need. And all these investments yep. that you guys are justifying on, hey, we're going to help sales be successful. And in our annual budget cycle, this is going to drive sales. And then you turn around and shit on them and then wonder why they're not um, getting, you're not getting the ROI. That's, you got to knock that off. Um, that's not, that's not the new world of business that I'm going to have. And I, you know, I had, a, I had to have a lot of top cover on that type of approach. And uh, 
that's that's not what we're seeing. Uh, we're seeing a lot more of the uh, dump than than I would like. So yep. I'll get off my soapbox, but that's that's no, great gap that I'm seeing. I love it. So shooting on salespeople. Uh, yeah. It's definitely something that, that we're, we're going to quote on there. So um, one of the things that, that Forrester did research in, um, in with this is that there is a shift of where sales enablement is reporting. Um, you know, it was very much um, a back office function and kind of you know, managing that content platform where it's plumbing or uh, back office and putting together readiness programs so that the sellers were kind of ready to sell. But I think the move has been lately to focus much more on the last mile, right? On the engagement and how you reshape shape the engagement. And that's where what you said is so important is that content and curated content that's actually gonna help change the conversation and facilitate the engagement and the buyer enablement is becoming more important. And they're seeing a distinct shift of sales enablement from reporting into sales. Um, to reporting over into marketing. So just wanted to get a little opinion on that, if you think that's going to go the right way or what maybe ch new challenges will that cause? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, it's, it's where it reports to me hasn't necessarily been uh, the challenge. I think the challenge is um, in either situation, if you're reporting into sales or marketing, is what is a good customer conversation? and mm -hmm. who determines what good is. Um, the closer, whoever's closest to that definition of good and, and is right, the, that, that's who, that's who uh, sales and ailments should be reporting into. Um, yep. And uh, if we're going to evolve the, uh, the message the, and, and deliver it through uh, sales conversations, um, that, that requires a lot of inspection and it requires a lot of empathy for that conversation and a lot of detail. Um, and, and specifics. And so if marketing is going to get into those specifics of a one-to-one -one conversation with, you know, six to 10 individual stakeholders around specific um, information needs of, of those buyers and be able to reverse engineer out the, the messaging around that, then great. Um, I, I get worried that it's a little bit of a hot potato. Um, you know, where would it go next? Because I, I think the challenge will remain uh, that, that we're not getting into those specifics. Um, yeah. Yep. And that marketing. is what I worry about a little bit with marketing as well, right? Are mm -hmm. they close enough to that customer? Mm -hmm. um, they're certainly in control of the content and having them turn off that spigot and be curating better content uh, that is closer to what the sellers need is really important. But uh, can they get there and will it require different skills? I do think it's quite a different part of marketing. Um, certainly not the demand gen engine and the, the driven by numbers kind of um, engagements that we see. It's much more personal. Yeah, and those are all, you know, marketing is about markets <laughs> and uh, one to many. And yes. so uh, the, the challenge that I've always had is this is a one to one medium when I'm belly to belly with a a set of uh, customers and buyers that have specific needs and challenges, I need to be equipped with that micro level one-to-one -one messaging. It's not about a market anymore. It's about a, a person. So yep. uh, um, I little, I'm a little bit wary about, you know, that's the skill set over there. That's what they do. They're, they're market uh, driven mm -hmm. and it's one to many. And that's what the books and the certifications and the, I don't know, 14 to 20 different uh, segments of marketing are focused on. Um, so uh, they, they have the money though. 
and that's where the yes. funding sits. And mm -hmm. so we'll see how that pans out after two to three years. But whoever's listening that takes on the the micro messaging challenge, you know, that's that's really going to be needed to be a yeah. voice for sales. Yeah. And I think the other key in when you do in the micro messaging is um, I kind of think about it as vignettes. Um, you know, mm -hmm. sellers have um, very um, customers don't follow a script. So you right. have to make sure you're enabling the sellers, not with a big long story and drawn out, you know, 150 page PowerPoint decks that you're still sending out. You know, that stuff just doesn't work because you can't get to what you need for that particular engagement. So mm -hmm. thinking about everything in terms of um, roles, uh, use cases and challenges, and then vignettes and little mini stories that sellers can uh, quickly get to and help to facilitate those conversations. I think those are key. And even in when they're responding to buyer requests, it tends to be little pieces of information they need to send, not big white papers or big decks or big pieces of content. So it's very micro, as That's you right. indicated. Yeah, absolutely. So I know one of the things that you're really focused on at Growth Matters America is people, right? Uh, and getting people right, because it's so important to sales success. It's still a people to people skill set. And you've got to have the right people in those roles. And then I think very importantly, and almost the forgotten man in the whole sales chain is the sales manager, particularly the frontline sales manager. You know, a lot of times they're overlooked. They're put in the position because they were good sellers. And then all of a sudden they elevate to, okay, we're going to, I know you're selling really well, but we're going to elevate you into this management role. And here's your five, 10 people in your region that are now reporting to you go. And what happens is, is you've now taken your best sales rep out of the region. You've given them five, six people, 10 people, and now they're managing those people. And oftentimes we wonder why the region goes to heck in a handbasket. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, it, it, all those things that you you said, I believe, are definitely the um, you know the pattern. And what what I've you know my 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 world I've been in I've been an analyst I've been a researcher I have a B PhD I studied sales I've been a sales recruiter a salesperson a sales manager I've implemented technologies I've you know had five enablement startups and. And I'm like, why, why aren't we getting the impact that we need in some of these areas? And I think the, the, the missing link in all of those um, in, uh, enablement initiatives that I worked on was the equipping and, and really the alignment to the manager layer. Um, in, in an operational view, uh, the, the first line manager is, is absolutely critical for a lot of reasons, you know, adoption and, and also reinforcing the culture, managing the day-to-day, -day, et cetera. But when I looked at it and I researched and studied what the role of, or how a, man, how a manager was equipped, oftentimes it was go to the same training and here's your pocket card, here's your laminated thingy that you need to reinforce. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, uh, what's, what's up with that? Um, so when you look at the idea of sales managers, you know, and, and the, as a, as in a, uh, a layer between the organization and, and uh, sellers, you know, there's sales leaders, there's sales managers. And um, when you look at what that relationship is, you know, it goes to uh, what are the, what are they asked to do? Are they, are they people managers approving vacations only, or are they part of the, you know, productivity system and in selling uh, they're part of that productivity system, but oftentimes aren't even factored in until, they start complaining about something, which they've learned mm -hmm. not to do. So, mm -hmm. 
Um, this is where it gets really interesting when you look at sales execution and how um, fragmented it is and how inconsistent, uh, how frustrated sales VPs and CEOs are with the inability to um, execute go-to-market strategy, uh, cross-selling initiatives, challenges in uh, new product launches, et cetera. Um, you know, it's to me uh, because we're not focusing enough on the role of this, the first line manager, the sales leader, and in, even in this conversation, uh, sales enablement leader is aligning yep. to and, and through uh, the sales management function instead of going straight to sales. I think uh, too many organizations are going straight to customers and straight to sales um, mm -hmm. and not leveraging the wisdom of the sales, sales management and leadership team. Completely agree. The best programs that we've rolled out, there's been, you know, we, we typically work through on a lot of the, the kind of value tools that we've deployed, go through a value consulting group. But when the value consulting group is working hand in hand with the sales managers in each one of the regions and really getting out in front of them and enabling them and empowering them to then guide the rest of the team, those are the most successful programs. So you are spot on in where uh, you know, the focus is to, I think, really change and, uh, and sales performance uh, execution lies with those frontline sales managers and creating good leaders that can facilitate those managers. That's right. And, you know, if I could give just a quick, um, you know, bit of a framework view, I think if you look at what managers, you know, what good looks like, to me, they provide clarity. Um, that's the first the first piece of it. So why are we doing what we're doing? And they have an understanding of the, the relationship between the initiative uh, or the ask and the sales strategy. So they're able to tra uh, translate that sales strategy, understand the initiatives coming, and then also understand the role of these other functional groups and content with regard to mm -hmm. their people. So, so it's not just a random, oh crap, now they want us to do what? What is right. this extra thing? No, now it's, okay, right. I say, yeah, I see how it ties to the strategy, I'm on board, yep. Yeah, or yep. push Clarity. back on that. And mm -hmm. So that, that's the first one. And then it's the, the second piece is they're able to communicate, uh, one, what their team needs, so back internal to the organization and to their salespeople in a way that makes sense. So um, that, that's the second piece of this is we, if we understand why, then we can communicate. This third piece is this idea of collaboration, um, doing with the sales manager instead of two. Uh, I think um, sales managers need to be challenged a little bit that they need to stop opting out of uh, these initiatives. The, the thing about it is there's so much volume, they cannot get involved in everything. But I think if you go 80-20, sales managers should be getting involved with uh, you know, collaborating around key initiatives and having a voice there and should be spending their time and more of their time uh, working with these cross-functional groups instead of being, you know, kind of treated like a, a mushroom, you know, left in the dark. <laughs> uh, so that's that's the third piece. And then there's a, the, the two that are probably the most important and often overlooked and, and sales managers, if they've been successful, they've, they've had the ability to develop these two areas, but uh, I like to call them out specifically for other groups and, and also to, to say, look, the modern view of these two is radically different than it was in the past. And that's what I call a cadence. You know, the fourth piece is cadence. Are they, do they have a rhythm of their business that establishes not only tactical execution, and, and but also through the, the habits of the organization? Habits, yeah. I was um, just going to say that. So important. Yep. And are they having the right kind of conversations about opportunity planning and stuff? And the, the last piece is command. You know, are they able to pull the right levers, refocus, um, and even escalate internally if they need the help 
um, to own their function um, instead of just, uh, you know, uh, running spreadsheets, for example, right? So yeah. it's a role that's fundamentally shifted over the last six years. But to your point, managers have not necessarily been equipped. And that's really one of the key areas we're focused on here in my company. Yeah, great focus to have. So the five C's that I got, clarity, communicate, collaboration, cadence, and command. That's so. Right. But I want you to leave the audience with not five, five C's, which are good, clarity, communicate, collaboration, cadence, and command. Leave us with one piece of advice um, for sales enablement sales leaders today. What's the one thing you want us to take away? I would say um, recognize that there's a lot of complexity and, and not shy away from it. Uh, we started out this conversation with a bit with a, a systems view and we're talking about some of the cross-functional challenges that exist. I'd say, you know, embrace that complexity um, and understand the moving parts of the system and then really um, take ownership of what really is a business process that exists or should exist uh, behind uh, sales conversations. There's a there's a business process that, that should be aligned to sales conversations. It's owned by a lot of people. It's fragmented. It's fuzzy. It's not clear who does what, but that's really the, the promise of sales enablement. And those that can do that uh, individually and then at scale are the ones that are able to become strategic partners to the sales leadership team. Yeah. And know that it won't always follow the flow, but I think simplifying things into a system um, tend to make them more repeatable and scalable, right? Um, That's right. And simulating it as, as a system um, and definitely taking kind of that buyer's view of what that system should look like as we look toward buyer enablement and buyer focus and facilitating the buyer's journey, I think is important. So great, great point. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I appreciate the time today and talking sales enablement overall, um, though I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a realist, I like to confront reality, I'm, I'm extremely, um, you know, bullish on the idea of sales enablement and the idea of um, owning our own destiny here uh, to drive not only profitability for organizations, but to, to really uh, be the, the pointy end of the spear of innovations that are happening. I mean, if you look at sales as a profession, that's what we've always done is bring these innovations to market and uh, help educate where we need to whether it's vacuum cleaners or, you know, uh, in the 1890s to artificial intelligence now, um, sales and sales uh, people and the messages that they carry are, are critical to organizational growth and, and also to the innovation of the, of the uh, economic engine that we drive as salespeople. So um, Absolutely. I, I like and, to make that happen more, faster, better. That's what my comments are around is, you know, how do we live up to that expectation? Dr. Brian Lambert, thank you for being such an advocate. I know there's a lot of sales enablement people that, that owe a lot to you because you, you and Scott uh, Santucci and the, the folks at Sales Enablement Society really helped to define the role, define uh, the function that a lot of our listeners are in today and uh, continue to pioneer and enable success in that area. So please keep up the good work and uh, enjoyed collaborating with you today on a, on a few of those items. So how can folks reach out to you and reach you online? Sure, great, absolutely. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, you know, slash, I think it's linkedin.com slash in slash Brian Lambert. Also on Twitter, Dr. Brian Lambert. And then uh, my website's growthmatters.today, growthmatters.today. Awesome. And we will include those day. links. Absolutely. <laughs> and we will include those links in the description. So look there. 
Dr. Brian Lambert. Thank you All so right, much. Thanks so much, Tom. Appreciate it. Take care, everybody.